psychedelics in their scheduling were actually allowed to be studied. And so over the last 20 years, there's been this incredible renaissance of psychedelic science happening. Right. So now, now you, you're not talking about, well, I think it might, you're like, here's a longitudinal study that shows that a, a disorder, uh, PTSD, uh, mm-hmm. depression, treatment-resistant depression, uh, anxiety, OCD, these are all been studied. Here's, here's things that, that the current pharmaceutical drug uh, crop that you use for them do not work for in 60, 70% of cases and create a dependence. So even if it works for you, you have to take it every day. Right. Now we're going we're gonna to look at this data and it says 55% of people are not only helped by it, but they're cured. So yeah. there is a curative property, meaning someone 6, 12, 24 months later, no longer is symptomatic of the mental health disorder. Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip On This is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's your host, Kat. Thank you so much for being here for another episode of Trip on this. It was such a pleasure speaking to my next guest, Matt Stang. Matt is the CEO and founder of Delic, one of the leading psychedelic wellness companies with the most amount of ketamine clinics in the country. Prior to Matt's time starting Delic, he was the owner and operator of High Times for 17 years. He was instrumental in bringing legal cannabis to multiple states. He brought the Cannabis Cup to America. He is just a wealth of knowledge, not just in the psychedelic space, but in the cannabis space. And we get into it. One of the first questions I ask is, Matt, what is your special sauce? Because here he is pushing up against those cultural norms, really shifting culture in such a profound way. And I know for myself growing up, high times was that magazine. It was that media company that just went up against all of that war on drug stuff and it said, not today. And boy, it is such a fun conversation. So I really hope you guys enjoy this. We also talk about Meet Delic, which is actually how Delic truly came onto my radar in a much bigger way. They throw an incredible psychedelic conference in Las Vegas every year. I wanna say it's in November. I highly recommend it, and you'll see we talk about it on this episode about why it was such an incredible treat. few things before we get into the episode. All right, you are listening to a psychedelic podcast, and so I have partnered with Elevation Chemicals, which is a drug testing company that is here with all different tests and kits for you to safely embark on your journey. Of course, this is not a recommendation to do anything, but look, everyone's an adult, and if you are choosing to put substances in your body, please, please, please be safe. You know, it is so important right now, especially to this psychedelic movement, that we are being responsible. You know, it's not just for your own safety, it's for the whole entirety, right? 
you know, we've got a few bad apples out there that are trying to ruin it for everyone. And so there are steps that we can do to keep us and our families and our community safe. If you are interested, I will link everything here and you will get uh, 10% off on your first kit just using my code TRIPONTHIS10. I'll link all the details. And of course, if you're on social media, give me a follow. I post a bunch of different stuff around psychedelic news, uh, certainly clips from the show, and just a bunch of other random, fun, psychedelic-inspired stuff to keep you all entertained when you've already listened to an episode. So with that, I welcome my next guest, Matt Stang. Matt Stang, thank you so much for being here. It is such a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. Welcome to Trip On This. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. Awesome. So Trip On This is very much about the human story, right? And you have quite an interesting story when it comes to the world of cannabis and psychedelics. You were the owner and operator of High Times for 17 years, really changing the cultural narrative around cannabis, which must have been quite quite a feat, right? To really change a lot of the talk, right? We were coming out of like the war on drugs and everything around that and High Times was so pivotal. And now as the CEO of Delic, a psychedelic wellness company, you're kind of back into this space really bringing what was, I guess, taboo into this mainstream. So what is your special sauce? What really called you into wanting to kind of push up against those cultural norms and bring these amazing plants to the world? You know, I just thought it was totally wrong that um, these things that were so powerful in helping people were stigmatized and criminalized, uh, you know, being... Uh, raised by some very free-thinking um, children of the '60s, I, uh, I I definitely had in my head that there was no rational reason that this existed. I had gone to Amsterdam many times and seen a place where uh, mushrooms and cannabis were both functionally uh, accepted, maybe mm-hmm. not technically legal, but certainly um, out there in the world. And the it was a better, happier um, you know, all around more, <laughs> more generous and sweet place yeah. to my mind. And, yeah. and I saw that <clears throat> it just wasn't working. The, the, uh, system of criminalizing people for, uh, making rational decisions on their own liberty and life was not working. And so it's, it's been, um, it's been a passion of mine for, you know, like you said, about two decades now. And, uh, I, I really spent a lot of my time uh, pushing that change, that that new narrative that um, cannabis is a valid choice that, as my friend Mason once said, uh, marijuana is safer than alcohol. That's how they won the uh, legalization bill in, in uh, Colorado. And, yeah. you know, I think it's just once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Once you think about it, you can't unthink about it. Once yeah. you see the the thousands and thousands of drunk driving and the tens of thousands of people in fights and terrible situations yeah. and beating their wives and all the things that alcohol brings, all the joys of that very legal uh, drug, it's a drug. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at coffee and wow, what a what a strong stimulant or sugar, what a crazy drug. Yeah. Um, 
and cigarettes. What the fuck? Yeah. My mom died of lung cancer. Yeah. That shit is crazy. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, but everyone has the right to make their own responsible decision. Yes. And that's informed consent, right? We, we really want people to have informed consent. So they need to know the risks and the rewards and they need to make informed decisions on what to do. And so I think that's the fundamental basis of my belief structure is that people people have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, yeah. right? We're, we're in this country. We get taught this from a very early age that that's what we are and why we're here and what we're doing. But And yet, <laughs> you're still going to jail for smoking a joint. Yeah. Um, At and, home. And you, know, I, you could be like by yourself and just like what you put in your body. I'm like, what is it? Nothing. It's none of your business if I'm not hurting anyone. Sorry, I'm very and passionate. you have... <laughs> incredibly high functioning people it's not you know the 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 perceived wisdom was oh you smoke weed you're in the basement doing nothing with your life right but but there's thousands and thousands and thousands of of my individual experiences with people who are the highest functioning people in this country um who consume cannabis as a way to relax after a long hard day of working of creating of making of building right yeah. and that's that's just structurally true um and i think if you if you go back to that there's just no other answer other than this has to be changed the the war on drugs was a mistake yeah. it it is an unwinnable war on our own citizenry that creates and has created a lot of the societal problems that we're dealing with today and yeah. it's it's just you know, you have all of these different pieces coming together. And so for me, cannabis was my first love, uh, mm -hmm. huge fan. Mm -hmm. Um, and from there, uh, I, uh, you know, I started at high times, worked my way up, uh, bought into the company, led the company, sold the company wow. and, and really focused on mainstreaming cannabis, yeah. um, pushing that narrative that I think has changed the world, right? Oh, when we talked about it 20 years ago, it was like 26% of people supported legalization, 30% maybe supported ma uh, medical marijuana. And now it's like 93% wow. support medical marijuana and 70 something percent support recreational cannabis. Um, I mean, it that, changed that change, it, it just comes from, from a place of, of people having that connection right it's yeah. and it, this is the same thesis that i have for psychedelics right the the, the path that has been uh, cleared the trail that has been blazed by cannabis is is the reason that psychedelic um mainstreaming has come so quickly right when we started yeah. this company when we founded delic my wife and i four years ago people were like are you on drugs <laughs> psychedelic company that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but our thesis was and still is that there is a an incredible amount of raw scientific data showing that psychedelics are the singular best hope for mental health disorders that we have currently. There's nothing yeah. else that I've seen that works as well. So do you, do you think that because it feels like psychedelics, the adoption has been a lot easier than cannabis for some reason. I feel like still with cannabis, there's still like some prejudice with cannabis over psychedelics, which is just 
it's bizarre and it reminds me of just like old patterning. You've been hearing the same story for so long that it's still just hard to give it up. Well, I, I will agree with you. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, you look at the war on drugs and the war on cannabis started in 1937 with the marijuana tax stamp act mm -hmm. where the war on psychedelics didn't start until the late sixties. So you had a 30 plus year head start on stigmatizing yes. on reefer madnessing on causing people to believe that this was a drug that caused people to turn evil and bad. And, you know, if you watch Reefer Madness today, you'll die laughing. But, you know, yeah. the guy turns into a monster from smoking a hit of hit the devil's lettuce. Right, right, right. Um, but that that's, you know, you think about that, that's that's like 80 plus years of, of really strong propaganda right. telling you how terrible it is. Uh, the other piece is the science, right? The way that that marijuana is scheduled um, you cannot actually get, or you could not until this past year, get uh, cannabis to study for uh, medical research purposes in the United States, other than the singular terrible weed from uh, Mississippi State University, which is the, the worst thing I've ever seen. I saw it. Really? Um, yeah, it's, it's like sticks and stems and garbage. Wow. And that was the only thing you could get. It was incredibly hard to get a license to work with it. And it was incredibly hard to get it once you got a license to work with it. So there's yeah. almost no actual scientific data in the United States about cannabis. It's yeah. all apocryphal data and it's all people who are working inside the industry doing uh, what amounts to a consumer focus groups that look a little like science, but they're not. Yeah. Um, whereas psychedelics in their scheduling were actually allowed to be studied. And so over the last 20 years, there's been this incredible renaissance of psychedelic science happening. Right. So now, now you, you're not talking about, well, I think it might, you're like, here's a longitudinal study that shows that a, a disorder, uh, PTSD, uh, mm -hmm. depression, treatment-resistant depression, uh, anxiety, OCD, these are all been studied. Here's, here's things that, that the current pharmaceutical drug uh, crop that you use for them do not work for in 60, 70% of cases and create a dependence. So even if it works for you, you have to take it every day. Right. Now we're going to, we're going to look at this data and it says 55% of people are not only helped by it, but they're cured. So yeah. there is a curative property, meaning someone six, 12, 24 months later, no longer is symptomatic of the mental health disorder. Whereas when you look at what's happening in, you know, in the current crop of pharmaceuticals, yeah. it's like it's there's abandoned. terrible terrible recidivism rates yeah. there's terrible relapse rates and and it's just you know you're you're talking about um a broken system everyone sees it it's yeah. it's it's everywhere the mental health crisis is from suicides being five times what they've ever been before to uh you know the the crisis with homelessness in my hometown in los angeles that's that's mostly a mental health crisis it's yeah. it's a economic crisis paired with a giant mental health crisis that's right? what I, that was going to be my question was at that time I, that's what, where i lost my train of thought was around cannabis like i feel like the the the, the discussion around mental health also wasn't where it's at now, right? There is such a willingness now to talk about mental health and and talking about how we're in a crisis. And do you think there's also a part of like, yes, we're able to study it. And we're also at a time where we're like, okay, we've ran out. Now we've got the science and we've just ran out of, we can't fight something that people are, like you said, the suicide rates are up. People are in desperate help. And we're seeing, God bless that they were, they were able to 
you know, studied as much as they could to get to this point. But do you think, um, do you think just the openness around mental health has a big part of why it's been so easy, maybe not easy, but easier to adopt psychedelics nowadays? Yeah, I, I really think it has a lot to do with the fact that we're shit out of ideas, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's an issue that has gotten so pronounced. And I, I think, to my mind, the pandemic has really um, been a, a huge part in that change. Mm-hmm. Because you, you look at that mental health issue, you look at the, uh, the drug overdose issues, and, and a lot of that stuff comes from untreated mental health disorders paired with um, substances that are outside of uh, regulation and so are deadly, right? You're talking about a lot of these overdoses are people buying what they think is an oxy or some form of medication that's actually filled with fentanyl. You know, we had a fentanyl expert at our Meet Delic show who talked about how this has swept the nation in the last five years because it's cheaper, easier, and doesn't require any growing. You can do it in a a lab. So it's just like, you know, when you look at (laughs) the profit per microgram of product, it's like a hundred times the profit for them to sell fentanyl as it is to sell uh, heroin. And heroin requires a poppy, requires yeah. large scale farming, yeah. where fentanyl just requires a large lab with some chemical precursors. Wow. And and this is, uh, you know, the center point of, of the issue with the war on drugs is it's criminalized people and it's criminalized substances. So if you look back at, um, you know, my mom was hooked on uh, amphetamines because her doctor gave it to her because she was considered lightly overweight in the uh, mm. late fifties. And what did you get? You got amphetamines, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's what they, they just gave you raw amphetamines. And guess what? People could take amphetamines for sixty years and not die if they're pharmaceutical grade. Now, if you go and smoke meth, you're going to lose your teeth in you know yeah. a year, year and a half because yeah. it's all adulterated and horrible and terrible. And so you have this this major issue. Um, where the the war on drugs is actually creating the overdose epidemic because people are forced to buy adulterated, terrible drugs. And the people who are selling them have no incentive to make them great because if the person dies or if they don't, they're still going to jail for 20 years. It doesn't really matter. So there's no incentive for the safety. There's no incentive for regulation or testing or any of the stuff. And you, you just look at what's happened with cannabis over the last 10 years it's become safer, uh, less adulterated, less harmful to your lungs. It's now, you know, with the testing regimens that you have to do in legal states, it's it's much, much cleaner than our organic food supply. Mm-hmm. You have to have less than one part per thousand or one part per hundred thousand of of these chemicals and metals and, and uh, pesticides. And, you know, this stuff, if you look I, I've had people do this with just organic food from Whole Foods, and mm-hmm. that stuff has 10, 20, 100 times as much of these uh, cancer-causing agents or these metals. Yeah. So like we, we've, by cleaning up um, an industry and creating standards, we we actually make people that safer. much safer, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think that is a huge part in, I think, the revolt on the war on drugs, right? People are just not willing to see so many people hurt, so many people die. It's just, and so many people in jail for something that's, that is hurting no one, but maybe themselves. Yeah. That's the big thing for me is just always just around this idea of, you know, if we want to be like a free people and we're not hurting anyone, just, just like, like you were saying with alcohol and cigarettes, like, look, you make your choice for your life, like what's best. And 
it's it's when you do things in the shadows that things get dangerous, you know. And I get that there needs to be a lot of um, education around things like psychedelics. But one of my questions for you is just maybe I'll just skip to this right now is. Do you feel that psychedelics should be just for people that are suffering from mental health ailments like depression or anxiety or PTSD? Or do you think ultimately it should be for anyone who obviously um, feels safe enough, right, physically and whatnot to explore their own consciousness? That is a great question. Um, I don't think I should decide. I don't think anyone should decide. I think people should decide for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, our at Delic, we have the largest chain of um, psychedelic wellness clinics in America. We have uh, 14 clinics in 10 states um, doing ketamine therapy. Now, mm-hmm. ketamine is fully legal, uh, can be prescribed by a doctor. Um, I think there's going to be another, you know, MDMA and psilocybin are both in there mm-hmm. uh, in at FDA for their phase three trial approval. So once those are approved, they will be allowed to be prescribed in a medical setting for those with uh, corresponding mental health disorders. I think that is a huge, huge win for mental health in America. I think the more of these things, more of these novel compounds are available to be uh, dispensed under supervision of a proper medical professional in a proper set and setting with the right kind of aftercare I think that changes mental health so much for the better. Now, 100%. when you look at Oregon, right? Oregon passed an initiative and <clears throat> come January, 2023, there will be, um, call it clinical spaces that allow people to do psilocybin products uh, for mental health purposes, but outside of the FDA lane. I think that's very interesting as well, because it allows for people to make that rational choice that they need whatever it is they need to function better. You know, you look yeah. at Silicon Valley and microdosing and how people have, have turned that into, a, you know, a, a biohack, right? It's yeah. you, you do a microdose once every couple of days. It was actually on the front page of the New York Times two days ago. Yeah. That's It's yeah. gotten so big that, that it, it now is in the paper of record. Um, as maybe this does work. This seems like it probably works. Yeah. I'm not sure if it works, but it could work. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's so much room for people to make their own decisions. Yeah. And I yeah. do not think people should be penalized or criminalized for making those decisions. Uh, but once again, you know, if, if it's me talking here, um, psychedelics are an incredibly powerful uh, tool for changing your mind, as Michael Pollan used it. Yeah. But it's also, it's also, uh, you know, if you have a history of uh, schizophrenia in your family, or um, issues around, uh, you know, psychic breaks, it could be really dangerous. This is what happened in the '60s. Is you know there were <laughs> millions and millions of people trying out this new substance, LSD, and. Uh, some people's brain didn't come back and that's not, that's real. And you have to take that seriously. And so, you know, at the same time as allowing people to make their own decisions, um, you need to give people that, that real uh, connection to understanding why there are real issues and potential downsides. Right. And it's, you know, like, 
bad trips really do happen to a lot of people. I, I was yeah. talking to someone, um, you know, a, a CEO of a company, mid sixties, uh, and had not done psychedelics since he was 19 because he had a horrible trip on mushrooms. And he's like, I would never do psychedelics again in my life because it was, I thought I was dying. And that's, yeah. that's real too. That really does happen. And yeah. a lot of that comes from intention, set and setting, um, having a safe container, having someone who can guide you and shape the, the experience so that you're not, you don't go down a negative pathway and get stuck yeah. there. And, yeah. and I think if people, if we keep it criminalized, then people don't know that because they're getting it from a bad actor right. who's outside of the structure and is just trying to make a buck by selling it to you. So exactly. they're not going to tell you any of that. And you're just going to go down this pathway without any real knowledge. Yeah. Especially with things and like so, LSD and things that it is tampered with. Like that's why there is test kits and things to like, make sure that you're getting what you're getting. Like I've definitely had an experience personally with LSD. My first time that was definitely, it was like mixed with something and I was young and I did not know to change it. And it was pretty odd. Now I've had better experiences after, but like, it's, it's definitely real, you know, the education around it, but it sounds like to me, it all comes from, back to education, right? Like truly, 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 whether it's for mental health. And, you know, I ask that because look, I think first, first steps first is we know that mental health is going to get us to psychedelics quicker, right? As a, as a, it's, it's a, it's a need, totally. it's a, it's a bigger need. There's a path towards it. And we're walking that path. And I think psychedelics for human potential, hopefully, like you were saying, it's up to the people voting, right? If people are seeing that, oh, there's people are having major improvements. Like I always said, you know, I was in a low grade depression my whole life. I just didn't know. I didn't know that, you know, until really after my psychedelic exploration that I got to see, oh shit, I'm not operating well at all. Actually, I just didn't know any better until now, like that I could be, uh, so much more expansive in my thinking. I didn't realize that I was so stuck in my own patterns. I didn't know like how limited I was because you only know what you know, right? And so I and the think- the default mode network is really strong. Yeah, it is really strong. And when it's it, quiets it's, down, it's like, did you know you could look at it like this? And you're like, oh, no, had yeah, no right. idea. The moment you get out of that super highway of the brain and you get out onto the, the pastures and you're like, oh, okay, this is- there's a much broader space and there's much more connectivity and, mm -hmm. and the world is much more full of potential than I thought it was. Yes. Right. And so that's when you get to the human potential stuff, I, you know, for me, I think, I think that cannabis has blazed a trail in this as well. Yeah. And that I think you'll see that. I believe that two other States will have a ballot initiative this year from what I'm hearing from my friends who are doing the work that uh, I think there will be enough signatures captured in two states to get on the ballot. And I think they'll probably both win just because there's not a really strong um, negative connotation or a force trying to push against it. Yeah. And, and you know, what happens when Oregon goes online and the world doesn't explode is other states come and look at it and think about it. And, you know, some of the Eastern, uh, more liberal states will think, well, we did this with cannabis. Why don't we do this with psychedelics? Yeah. And I think, I, I think it has a similar path. And I think because the, the, um, the path has already been blazed because we've already chopped down the weeds and walked down the, 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 the steps, you've got intended. a much Sorry. easier, <laughs> you know, as to mix my metaphors, you have a much easier way to go. So rather than taking 
you know, whatever it was, 20 years between the first initiative and the next initiative. It was like 16 years from California's one to the next medical marijuana one. I think it's, you know, two years from Oregon going legal to a couple more states coming online. Yeah. Um, just because uh, people are interested in uh, human potential. They're interested in uh, trying to deal with depression and anxiety. And and I think if you're if you're a human being alive today and you've opened your phone in the last week, you probably have some level of anxiety. Yeah. You know, just just being real um, with all of the things. You know, it, on the front page of the New York Times, it's like pandemic, war, yeah. and climate destruction right. are all right there. Yeah. Uh, and how could you not be anxious at that point? Yeah. So at some point, uh, we need technologies to help people handle that. So it doesn't turn into uh, negative patterns, um, you know, negative emotions and and just bad anxiety, OCD yeah. kind of default mode network disorders. What excites me about it too, is as more people kind of go through those uh, programs like your program, we'll get into a little bit about what Delic is is up to. Um, is just how they cultivate. It's just cultivating the tools, right? Beyond just that, it's like a meditation practice, and that might be people's first foray into really mindfulness, right? Because that is going to be the thing that uh, I certainly always say. If anybody's thinking about a kind of a, a really big experience, right, whether that's going away to the jungles and doing an ayahuasca experience or whatnot, to start cultivating a, a little bit of a, a mindfulness practice, start meditating a little bit, because you're going to want all of those tools both on the trip. <laughs> you want to learn how to breathe if things get a little heavy, but also just like that's going to be the thing that sustains us, and that's going to be the thing that brings us back to a place of peace when we are looking at that newspaper when we're taking a look at that and going like, because we can't always be tripping, but there are things we can learn from the trip. And that is around how do you, you know, stay at the center of the cyclone, right? And just allow for your feelings to be there without spiraling. And that's what I think also trips can do, which to your point, you're talking about trip sitters, how they can help bring us back into that place. Because sometimes it takes practice to not um, grab onto an idea and then create a whole spiral spiral <laughs> yep it's finding balance right yeah. i think that's just a huge part of of what people are really looking for is some semblance or level of balance yeah. and it's, it's really hard um but it's rewarding and when you talk about meditation it's like you know if someone asked me well what can i do to get there meditation will get you there you know breath work will get you there it's just there happens to be a super uh, highway five to 12 year window of meditative work before you can get yourself there. Maybe it's 20 years, depending yeah. on the person yeah. versus, it's a super high you know, work. right. There's, there's shortcuts, right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a, we're in a world where people are looking for answers today, not in 22 years. Yeah. And yeah. so, I, but I've seen people who have gone through the, you know, meditative process for decades and they are able to tap into um, a psychedelic moment just by sitting there and breathing and, yeah. and uh, you know, getting into their meditative space. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it's real. It's just like. Now it's like, the, now, it's <laughs> the, not... now it's the merging because now you can super highway yourself on the psychedelic to a very high vibratory state and have those revelations and be in that, um, 
that place of receptivity and then you get to just be like, okay, how do I maintain this now? How do I maintain that? And that is then you can maintain it by learning how to meditate in those in-between zones. And so that's where it's like the marrying of the two because they both are really truly paths. I want to talk a little bit about Delic too. And, you know, I know you have the largest amount of ketamine clinics all over the country. Um, and you talk about accessibility a lot. How, how is it that you are creating accessibility more and more for people? What is, what kind of makes Delic stand apart from your perspective? Sure. Um, well, I, I think part of our, our, you know, real journey towards being a, a, a center point for psychedelic wellness is being in, in as many places as possible. So getting to scale, you know, if, if you look at how you change things, scale is really the only way to change things, right? Mm-hmm. Being, being large enough that you actually have that opportunity to try this in um, any number of places. So if you're in Reno or in Vegas or in Phoenix or in uh, Chicago or Seattle, we mm-hmm. have a place for you. And I, I think that's incredibly important. We're also focused on, um, you know, insurance, right? Yeah. This is a very expensive out-of-pocket uh um, you know, procedure. And if, if you have insurance, we take insurance in most of our major markets. Wow. So, Even for ketamine. Yeah. And wow. I think that's really important. It is important. Um, being able to, to be there and meet people where they are. Right. Yes. So, and you know, we, we also have, uh, a really competitive price point. We've, we've focused on, um, doing this in a way that, that is, even if you have to come out of pocket, it's not, uh, breaking the bank, it's, it's expensive, but you know, if, if your mental health is worth it for you, which it is for a lot of people, then, you know, sometimes it's worth paying a couple hundred dollars a session to really get to a point of, of, you know, out of your spiraling thoughts and out of your anxiety and out of your depression. And I think that's just so important. So that's, that's a big part of it. And just making it, um, you know, we, we really focused on being places that are easy to get to easy to drive to, uh, convenient to lots of people in, not in New York or LA, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in LA, but, but I think, you know, we we're focusing on the rest of the country. Yeah. Um, as I said, Vegas, uh, Seattle, uh, we're in Tampa, uh, you know, opening up in San Antonio soon, being in a lot of places where, where there's just, um, uh, a critical mass of people, but not really a good service uh, provider for helping people get through their anxiety, depression, PTSD. And you, so we really want it to be accessible to people. Yeah. Do you think that MDMA and psilocybin, because they're going through the FDA trials <clears throat> for, you know, depression or PTSD, will be uh, have a better chance of also being covered by insurance in a much bigger way than, let's say, ketamine, which was not approved for what it's being used for right now, right? Which I've, from what I understand, the reason why ketamine can be such an expense for people is because it was not, it was not approved for depression when it first came through, right? And so because it's not being used for that reason, the cost is up. But MDMA and psilocybin are going to be different. Right. They will be, um, you know, when when we roll those out, they will be specifically for the treated disorders that they were approved for, um, which allows insurance companies to come in and cover them nice, yeah. right off the bat. Or at least that's that's our belief that there will be coverage um, for those specific ailments that they're approved for. Yeah, I think you know you know when we look at ketamine, um, 
and Johnson and Johnson made a product called S-ketamine, which we we do S-ketamine treatments as well, mm-hmm. and that is specifically approved for treatment resistant depression. So if you have treatment resistant depression, meaning you failed uh, with another drug for your depressive disorder, mm-hmm. you can come in and get S-ketamine specifically for that at one of our clinics, and that is fully covered by insurance. Oh, very so cool. yeah, so that that's um. That's something that came out in the last two years or so mm. and really got dialed in with the insurance companies in the last year. So it's much, much easier as long as you have that history of, of having depressive disorder and having a, another drug fail, meaning you've taken it and you you're still depressed, um, which happens a lot, sure. sadly, because as I said, those the, the substances that are currently approved have a failure rate that's very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I do think that MDMA and, and psilocybin will be um, covered for the, the disorders that they are specifically approved for. I also think there will be uh, usages of them that are not like, you know, MAPS is going through their trials for PTSD, but um, there's other uses for MDMA that have been kind of in still in only phase two trials. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there will be both the specific things that they are approved for, but once they're approved, you'll be able to do some stuff that is not the specific approval, but you'll be able to help people immensely with those compounds. Yeah, very cool. I've been thinking a lot about this uh, subject just around the idea of fun. And let me just like caveat this. I feel that fun, joy, human connection, our artistic expression, right? Getting in touch with ourselves is such a massive opportunity for healing. But it's not really talked about, right? Like, um, and because I feel like loneliness, right, is such a uh, a key part of depression, for instance, how do we yeah. combat, you know, when you think about combating loneliness, has Delic thought about at some point, and I understand that this is probably a future, a little bit of a future-oriented question, especially psilocybin and MDMA come out, which um, can ha- can be social, right? Like that actually can be uh, created in a social environment. Has there been any thought around creating group experiences where it's controlled, you've got people, but the thing is, it's about opening up to human beings. It's about the feeling of igniting a passion for life again, because I just feel there's there's a lot more to healing than a comfy bed and eye shades. I'm not saying that that doesn't work because it gets to the roots of what's going on, but I don't think it's all of it. And I'm just curious, do you see a world in which we can create multiple containers for what you need to connect? Yeah, I, I think you're 100% correct. I think um, group therapy is an incredibly powerful part of psychedelic wellness. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to be a a big part of what comes in, um, probably not immediately, but soon thereafter. There are already people doing group ketamine sessions Mm -hmm. where they have, um, you know, a a small group, four, six people sitting in a space and they're able to connect. And I, I think part of the magic of psychedelics is the feeling of connection, yes. right? It's, it's the thing, the thing behind the thing is that you feel connected to everyone, to yourself, to your lineage, to all of these different kind of metaphysical and real things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you said, depression 
really a lot of it is that loneliness, that sense of disconnection. Mm -hmm. So finding connection is an incredibly strong part. I think another part of it that's that's incredibly powerful about group work is seeing other people's struggles and understanding that you're not alone in those struggles, mm -hmm. right? So, so being able to heal through healing others, yeah. being able to give other people advice from your hard-earned lessons and get the same from them is an incredibly powerful tool for healing. Yeah. And so I totally agree with you there. You know, I, I know of folks doing trials with MDMA and group therapy. Okay, cool. That's a specific um, one that, I, it, it, you know, in the underground world is used heavily for group therapy. Sure. Um, and, you know, the early MDMA therapy, uh, a lot of times involved couples going mm -hmm. through couples counseling. So they'd yeah. go in and they'd take the MDMA together and have a therapist sit there and they'd go through an intensive four to six hour session of couples counseling yeah. um, and find connection and why they love them to each other in the first place and all the other things. So yeah, I, I am. I think that will be a big part of those coming online. And I know there are places that are already doing something similar to that in countries that have, uh, you know, less draconian drug laws. Yes. I know there's people doing that in Portugal where they have decriminalization. I know, um, you know, there, there's some places in Costa Rica that do group sessions. So I, I am a, a firm believer that that will be a big part of this. It just, when it comes to the medical stuff, you have to kind of go through how the regs are written, how the the thing is approved, and then mm -hmm. work through that process so that there's nothing that colors outside the lines. Cool. I'm just glad to hear that there are um, studies that are taking this into account, that those who have used psychedelics and understand like the, the power of... Uh, how we heal one another you know we really are our the true healers we heal ourselves, and we heal our, and we heal others like you said so beautifully just um to witness someone and to be there for them and to be like you're not alone and like we're all everything that we all deal with like it might be unique to the circumstance but the underlying things were all so similar i you know i just always had like my dream at one day is to just have like a center of like where you know, this is probably a little more in the future, but like, yeah, where you can actually experience joy, like to experience dance and, and the feeling of being like a kid again, you know, coming back to the, a youthful um, thing that ignites your soul because when your soul gets ignited, boy, like what could be more powerful than to feel for the first time, to really feel. And so I'm just obviously like just you know what it comes from too and I talk about this a lot like I love to dance I've always loved to rave culture obviously I have a podcast about psychedelics so it's not a far stretch obviously yeah. but you know uh but but what it but it would remind me of is and I we just talked about in this last episode that I had was the the group container of it the 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 on you want to talk metaphysics on a metaphysical level to feel so much group joy to feel um, how much happiness feels like to be around others that are sharing in that, that carried with me before I started doing this through my day, through my week. And I could take on tougher problems because I, because I filled my tank with joy and human connection. And so it's just, yeah, it's, it I excites mean, me. 
Burning Man. Yes. That's how Period. <laughs> we left Burning Man in 2018 and we founded Delic a week later. Wow. So, you know, it is very much um, a place. It's called the playa because you play. Yeah. Right. It is a place to play as an adult and it strips away the economic world. You're no longer in a uh, a trade barter cell by you're all all of that is gone because there's nothing to buy or sell and you are not trading you are not working you are just strictly playing with 70,000 other people who are creative and joyful and uh, dancing and having the greatest time of their lives yeah. and that energy is one of the most sustaining that I've ever felt in my life and yeah. I think that's that piece is why we created this because we saw that there's there's an opportunity you know there's some of the most uh interesting wealthy powerful folks in the world in that desert over those 10 days um yeah. just having yeah, great like guys like elon musk there like no you know like, you got some big elon movers was and there. shakers Ray Dalio was there yeah. uh sergey brin and you know the yeah. founders of google and yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty um, out there time, and it's also really shows the potential of creation because people spend you know millions of dollars building these incredible art cars and experiences that have no actual real world benefit. Yeah. They don't make you any money, yeah. and they're just there to make the party cooler. And everyone's <laughs> yeah. trying to make the party cooler. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of when you were saying just about cannabis, like the how many well-off people are functionally using cannabis that are the leaders in this world that are, it's the same thing with psychedelics, right? Like it's the same. And that that to me was one of the importance around creating Trip on This was to, to shift the stereotype, to, sh to shift who's like, who's using it, you know? Like it's not all just... Um, <clears throat> some you know stereotype that you might have had around who's using cannabis or who's in my case who's using psychedelics I want to really like reframe like you would never know you know no like most of my guys don't present like you would see like a quote typical hippie which I have no problem with either but you know what I'm saying like whatever you yeah, it's might not have a deadhead thought. with a tie-dye shirt exactly exactly although I you know and then you go to the dead shows and and you find literally the biggest bankers lawyers mm -hmm. uh private <laughs> equity guys have the ten dollar box at the yeah and they have yeah. their tie-dye and their hat because what did the dead teach them and taught them how to hustle 40 years ago and now mm. they're you know 100 millionaire billionaire types who have hustled their ass off for the last 40 years and then they just want to cut loose yeah so you need once balance. again you know there it it is a uh there's a lot of bullshit around it but when you dig deeper um you know the highest functioning people i've met have have touched and tapped into what they've learned from psychedelics i mean yeah. just look at the most valuable company in the world it was founded by steve jobs yeah i was just thinking he of him. found it after his acid trip right it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he you was know. very very clear about how he thought differently and yeah. why he thought differently. And that's how he created that thing. Yeah. Right. And that's, thinking outside the box, right. For him was just like, you have totally. to be, you, you can't be thinking in came this back to realm. The company, 
Yeah. Did it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And I'm talking to you right now on one of the devices and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're talking to me on one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am. I am. Absolutely. So let's switch gears a little bit to meet Delic. First of all, that's a, for those listening, it's a psychedelic, um, conference. Would you call it a business conference? You know, uh, we called it an edutainment because edutainment, it's, it's yes. kind of, you know, my background, um, I'm the person who brought the Cannabis Cup to America and, and made it a large scale event around the world. Um, and there, there's a moment where things are a lot of different things because it's still so early in its cycle. Yeah, It hasn't segmented and it's not so specialized. So I think what we're trying to do is, is incubate the psychedelic industry. So uh, incredible speakers, booths, um, you know, a little bit of music and fun at the end, yeah. just make it a, a total package for people to come and get engaged, involved and really break down the, the walls, right? It's the same as cannabis 15 years ago. There's a bunch of great people doing great stuff, but it's all siloed off. Yeah. And I think this is that moment when the silos break down, the creative ability of the capitalist system kicks in and people, you know, weave together and weave apart and make and create the incredible things that underpin what will be a large industry in the next five or 10 years. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's the, really so it's an incubator, want. right? So that's really what it was. I have to say it was just such a, what I was really impressed with was not only just the level of speakers and you had just top notch speakers. And I was telling your team too, just the sheer talent in public speaking, just the, the, not just the information, but just the engagement was so wonderful, but how you did such a great job of maintaining psychedelic culture within the experience, you know, the walls, like we were talking about before we started recording and, and even where it was yeah. in area 15, like you, I, I think it's so important. Do you think it's important to, as we go into this medicalized time, right, that we're going into, that we still maintain, though, a little bit of that psychedelic flavor, that we don't just completely lose it? Do you think there's some value to, to keeping that? I, I do. And I, I think, you know, what, what we did and what you're talking about is, uh, the, the walls uh, of the the um, main speaking room uh, are immersive 3D motion mapped. And so what that means in real life is uh, one of our keynotes was speaking about epigenetics and DNA. And while he was speaking about it, the walls started to have melting DNA hel helixes. <laughs> and he was talking and then he caught sight of it out of the corner of his eye and he was like, whoa. <laughs> It actually interrupted his talk. It was so cool, uh, which is great. And, it, you know, the space we use is called Area 15. We'll actually be back there. Um, tickets are on sale on Meet Delic right now. We'll be back November of, of this coming year. And and we're, we really loved how incredibly psychedelic the space was. Yeah. Um, it's a Area 15, which is like a Burning Man mall. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars building this incredible space with... Uh, uh, this art exhibit as a as a uh, centerpiece uh, called Meow Wolf. That's uh, a giant immersive psychedelic art exhibit, uh, kind of like a theme park for psychedelic art. Uh, and and our space is just this beautiful indoor outdoor space with a a keynote um, area that you're speaking of. Mm -hmm. And you know I, I think part of our our mission and this was 
my wife and co-founder Jackie, she she was the executive producer of the event. And really her mission was that it didn't have to be dry and it didn't have to be boring, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we had been to a couple of uh, events and they were dry and boring. And mm -hmm. it just like, I'm falling asleep in the first 20 minutes and just wind up standing outside talking to people because it wasn't even worth being inside. Yeah. Um, and that was the two events we went to. And we're like, this is terrible, but this is such an engaging and incredible uh, space. So why, why not get people who really can hold that center, can hold that space and speak from the heart and connect. Mm. And so that's what we really went after. And, and I think, you know, we got such great feedback from people yeah. and we'll be posting, um, you know, video of everything because we want people to see what was discussed there because it was so fantastic yeah. oh, to yeah. just be there. Uh, but I, I really do think having that a little bit of why psychedelics are so important and, and so life-affirming and life-changing is is the joy and the fun and yeah. the funniness and the silliness, right? Because, and the play, like we were just yeah. talking about, like, I think, I think if you, if you wash it out too far and just try to make it, you know, completely disassociated from that, then you lose what makes it so powerful. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's, if you're gonna, if you're really going to help people with this, you have to give them the ability to laugh at life yeah. because that's, uh, otherwise you're going to cry. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think that's what it comes or both down to. If you're to. doing mushrooms, sorry. <laughs> right. Exactly. But that, that's the joy that comes from it is that you can look at things and see the deep, serious, and then also the deeply funniness of it. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, maybe we don't want to go full Timothy Leary drop in, drop out, yeah, you know, yeah. tune in, drop out. Uh, but I think there, there's still a lot of, um, a lot of the playfulness and fun of, of it has to be maintained if you want to get the benefit. Otherwise, if you totally sever it from that, then you're not going to get the the mainline benefits from from the psychedelic wellness. Yeah, yeah. and also like mind. the the crowd that you and everybody you know just as somebody on the ground, I met so many cool people. I just have to say, like all people flying in from all over the country for the event, just made so many friends because I went alone, and it was it was just such a beautiful mix of people that work in this space, like more of like the business type people that are just fans of psychedelics. And the thing is, if you who are just like true believers and this is like the activists right these are the people that you you want especially like on your side especially as it comes to this kind of um more medicalized approach right like you want that you still want that group to to be supportive of psychedelics coming to the mainstream and so it was just such a great mix of people and i think you really were able to then speak to those people and also kind of like you were saying like the thing is what you're showing on the walls, right? And those walls were epic. The, whoever chose the art was like top notch. But that is what you experience oftentimes on a psychedelic. It's not even that like, oh, let's just do trippy stuff. I'm like, no, no, no have you, once you do it, you're gonna, you'll get it because you will start to see fractal shapes and colors and things can get very odd you know it gets a little weird on a psychedelic and yep. it's okay to take a deep breath life is a big adventurous journey and it it's a trip out here so it's like just 
enjoy the fact that like there could be magic in the world and that I think you really captured in a great way. Well, thank you. And, and I do think that that's a big part of, of what we're trying to message out. And I think it's bringing together all of those incredible people like yourself and having those, you know, the reason we didn't do the event online, we had, we'd had it booked for May of 2020 and then COVID. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, you have these incredible speakers, let's just put it online and do it. And you don't get the serendipitous nature of being in person together. Yeah. And that's the thing that's the most important thing about doing this event, right? Is bringing together the activists and the business people and the people who love it and the people whose lives have been changed by it because all of those uh, crazy um, serendipitous connections are the things that are gonna make the next big thing happen, yeah. right? And, yeah. and whether that's the, the woman who came in and told me about her son who's been uh, clinically depressed his whole life and then found um, 5-MeO-DMT and it changed life. And she's there because she wants to figure out how to lobby in the Midwest to help change the laws because she knows so many people who've, who've lost children to suicide and, and she's actually seen a change and it's the most amazing, you know, yeah. that. And so she yeah. came up and she's like, I've been waiting for an event like this for 10 years and it's so amazing. And thank you for doing this. And I got to meet so many great people and mm. understand how I can start advancing the project in Michigan, that's where she was from. Yeah. And it's like, wow, yes, yeah. that yeah. that thing. You right? need that that's and that's and that group thing coming together and seeing others like-minded, like you're saying, it's not just virtual. There's no connection that way. I had another very similar story. It was an older woman. Um, it was actually, it happened through another guy that I met there. He, she just broke down. She was older, maybe in her like sixties. And she just broke down crying at the sheer, like that this existed that yep. for so long, like this has been healing her life. And like, it was just, um, I had to pretend like it wasn't. And, and it was just so ostracized for so long. And yeah, like the emotional, there was so much emotion in, in the crowd. There was so much um, healing that was taking place, I think, by a, a bunch of people from all different backgrounds coming together on what something is still, you know, it's still subgenre, if you will, right? But it's, but it's changing. For sure. No, exactly. I mean, I, I think, you know, a big part of this is also just launching people off to go and change the rules where they are, right? We had we had a, a county commissioner from Clark County come and give a, a little speech about um, he was one of the biggest supporters of cannabis. And he said, hey, guys, we need to work on uh, Nevada being at the front line of psychedelics as well. Right. Yes. And so you've got that's another state that has a great ballot initiative kind of set up. And, cool. and um, I, I, you know, there will be some super, super clubs that have psychedelic assisted therapy in the uh, you know $20 million immersive experience club, right? Because yeah. that's what they do well. They, they take uh, sin, they take uh, vice, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, mm -hmm. and they turn it into profit. So yeah, yeah. I, I think what a great place to do that. Uh, yeah. It's already, they're already, you know, look what they did with cannabis with the Planet 13 and the 40,000 square foot uh cannabis dispensary that's larger than than a walmart right you you do you have that kind of level of um craziness and what they do and and i think we want those people out there agitating for change where they are yeah. coming back with the message that that this is happening that this is mainstream and that you know having ideas on how to go and do what they did in Oregon or something different or something similar or something local or something county or, you know, I, I just think 
there's so many different ways that you can change things right now with the receptivity of, of people because of the pandemic, because of the mental health crisis. So uh, with for me, the, the thing that I, I would love to see out of it is people who have, who have seen this, who've seen that this is possible and they go back to their real world, to their real life and start agitating for change because yeah. they're like, this, this should happen. Yeah. And I think it's going to, you know, I think uh, the more we, the more cur- it gives people courage to talk about it when you hear people talking about it. And so the more, you know, I've noticed that even in my own friend group, when I first started like trip on this, there was some hesitancy around a couple of friends that wanted to come on. Oh, I'm not sure. Talk about mushrooms. And like, you know, there was still a little bit of that. Mm, am I incriminating myself in some way and I was like look and I never pressured them and I think that's the key too is like I was like look you uh the inv- the invitation is open and it only took like I remember I was like nine episodes in and they were just all there was just a couple but like knocking my door be like I'm ready I I, I see why listening to you I see why the value I've been listening to the episodes I'm hearing the value of First of all, it's giving me courage to hear other people talking about it. And yes, I've had my life changed. And like, what am I, you know, all this stuff. And like, the more that we uh, have the courage to talk about the things that really change our lives and help us and the willingness to just be okay if people don't agree, like, it's, that's part of how we change it, right? It's, it's not just like hiding it for, for those that you're like in fear of this. It's, it's about walking into the light now, you know? Totally true. It's about it's about sparking the conversation and it's about letting people know that this is a valid life choice. And, you know, uh, seeing that people who are successful and happy um, have walked this path and gotten to a better place from it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, my final question is, what can we look out for for Delic this year? Anything exciting? 2022? I know Meet Delic is on its way. Yeah, so Mikelic is is happening once again, Area 15, um, in the first weekend in November. So that's super exciting. Uh, you're going to see a bunch of new clinics from us around the country. So keep checking uh, uh, DelicCorp.com or uh, KetamineWellnessCenters.com. Um, you're going to see some uh, interesting stuff from our lab. We have a, a lab in Canada that has a Health Canada permits for uh, psychedelics. So um, Canada just allowed for uh, independent doctors to prescribe psychedelics to their patients who have uh, a special need. And so we think there's going to be some interesting stuff coming out of Canada in the next six or 12 months. Very cool. um, and, you know, I, I think we're just super excited to help keep mainstreaming the conversation around psychedelics and, and you know, just check out meetdelic.com because we're going to post all the speakers from last year. So if you want to see what we're talking about, you can check it out and, and uh, catch some of the great speakers or come next year and, and really enjoy it. Yeah, I'll definitely put all the links to everything. I'll make sure I get all of those. And when when do you think you're going to post the speakers? Uh, sometime in the next month or so, okay. you know, we're, we have most of this stuff, I think, um, edited down and then it's going to get posted as, as our team puts it out just to let people see the amazing conversations that happened yeah, last year. I highly recommend I'll, I'll make a little note of it when it comes out, just cause I think it's a great resource for people. If you want to get inspired, listen to the squad of people they had come and speak, Matt, it was such a pleasure to speak with you, hear your perspective, all of it. It was, um, 
it was a lot of fun to just hear kind of your, the balance between being, you know, a CEO wellness company, but then also really getting a, a real feel for your own passion in this space. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Awesome. And for everyone, as always, trip on this.